going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones or a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. That's right, welcome to another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. On this one, we're going all in on baseball, all in really on the Jays, who I've been excited by, I've been intrigued by, but I can't really make any sense of. They're on pace to win 97 games, but yet I'm feeling 100% stressed in all of their games. In the last three weeks, their starting pitching has been really good, except their ace, their best starting pitcher, has not been at his best. Yusei Kikuchi, who I thought was just going to be yet another bad fragrancy signing in terms of starting pitchers for this regime, has pitched lights out. He's arguably been their best pitcher. Even saying it out loud doesn't seem to make sense, but when you watch with your eyes, it could be kind of true and in general around baseball there's so much that i can't make sense of the padres on paper are amazing unless they're playing the dodgers the angels are just over 500 even though i am rooting for them to lose so that they trade one if not both of their generational players the mets have spent more money than anyone really has to spend and yet they're just under 500 and then There are the Oakland A's, the Las Vegas A's. Are they going to Las Vegas? Do they have a stadium or land for a stadium? Do they not? Does Major League Baseball work in Las Vegas? Because in Las Vegas, people need a break from the heat and drinking. And baseball, to me, in person, is about being in the heat and drinking. Anyways, either way... They may not want the A's because they're terrible. On pace to challenge the 1962 Mets for the worst record of 40 and 120. That is in play. But what's also in play is based off of a balanced schedule, we were seeing so many fun, interesting matchups more often. But for the Blue Jays, it's all about the AL East matchups. They've got a big one coming up this week certainly yes hosting the Yankees but the one I've got my eye on is not the team behind them in the wild card race it's the team surprisingly ahead of them in the wild card race and that would be the Baltimore Orioles and coming into town for that big matchup is the Friday Night Baseball crew on Apple TV Plus as you know by now Friday Night Baseball is available to Apple TV Plus subscribers on Fridays throughout the regular seasons And there's been some really good matchups, and the Jays happen to be the most recent one. Ryan Spielborgs is part of that coverage, doing a great job as a game analyst. Really enjoyed the coverage, top to bottom. Shout out to Dontrell Willis, who's doing a great job as a studio analyst as well. But if you haven't heard Ryan's stuff, you need to get familiar. Not only a great player, great broadcaster, Emmy Award winning as an analyst covering the Rockies. And you may have heard his work 
on MLB Network Radio as he is one of the hosts of the Loud Outs show Monday to Friday, 2 to 5 Eastern for us here in Canada. But he's coming to Canada. He's crossing the border to cover your Toronto Blue Jays. But before he gets here, I wanted to dig in with him on Manoa's struggles. What, if anything, was Aaron Judge looking at? And what, if anything, does this team need to add to be able to contend in what is a loaded AL East? So we go in on the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's listen and learn from Ryan. Let's go deep. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining. Exciting uh, to have you as part of the coverage, to have the Jays being profiled uh, as one of the teams that we're seeing. What's it like for you to you know, come back and uh, interact with not only the Blue Jays team, but Blue Jays fans, but, but baseball in Toronto? You know, I've, I haven't been to a Blue Jays game since I, since I was a player. Um, and that, that goes back a, a long ways. Um, I was actually at a game where uh, McGowan near, nearly threw uh, a no-hitter against the Colorado Rockies. So I have some fond memories of, of playing in Toronto. Uh, I've also had some teammates that got traded to Toronto, like Troy Tulowitzki is, is one of my uh, all-time best friends, and he's still the best shortstop I ever played with. So when Toronto traded for, for Tulo, I mean, I was watching virtually every single game. So I have, I have very fond memories of Toronto. I also grew up, um, you know, watching the Blue Jays in the 90s when they went back to back. And I, and I love, like, Devon White, who was an outfielder for uh, a bunch of years with, with the Blue Jays. That was my favorite center fielder. So as a kid growing up, like, wherever, wherever Devo went, uh, that's where my fandom kind of went. And so Devon White, and, and they, they just had, you know, at the time when they won the back-to-back, I loved watching John Olrood and, um, <laughs> and Dave Stewart and Roberto Alomar and Alfredo Griffin was a, was a guy that played for the Dodgers too. So I grew up in Southern California, um, but I ended up having a, a really strong connection to Toronto. And I have a lot of family members um, that live in Canada. So an entire side of my family uh, actually lives in Vancouver. I know it's nowhere near Toronto, but um, I'm I'm very well connected to Toronto and and the Blue Jays and the brand of baseball that they play. Vaughn White, that's a deep cut. I didn't know there were many Devo diehard fans outside of Canada. Uh, so certainly, come on, man. There's, there's only five Jamaicans in the history of baseball <laughs> that have ever played, and Devon White's one of them. Come on. Uh, I, I'm uh, as a um, as a f- son of Jamaican immigrants, I'm well aware. So he was the favorite in our household um, as well. So uh, yeah, lo- loved um, <laughs> loved his leadoff play and just um, favorite Devo moment is when they won the World Series and starting the parade. You know, he was like Toronto, where the party at? And obviously, we all love that. So um, and actually, is still you know in terms of being around the team still has a great influence uh, in terms of development of players coming up in the system. So didn't know I was going to get a Devo take from you, but I love it. But w- one of the things you'll see when you come uh, is there's been some cosmetic changes uh, to the ballpark as the team, uh, you know, has continued to change and, and retool. You get to get a look in on different parks and 
different baseball cultures and how people are consuming the game differently. Obviously, with Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV+, Plus, people literally are consuming it differently in terms of now consuming it via streamer. What, if anything, has, you know, you've been able to learn as like a walking focus group on how the game is changing in different markets? Yeah, good question. I, I would say a couple things. First off, attendance across Major League Baseball is up. Uh, it's up pretty significantly uh, through the same amount of time we're, we're already as an aggregate, as a, as a collective industry, we're up a million fans from last year. So that's that's really good news. I think the quality of play right now with some of the rule changes is even better. Um, you know, like the it's it's not just the pace of of play. It's we're seeing runs are being scored higher. There's more hits, less strikeouts, less walks, more athleticism, uh, which which is kind of cool when it comes back to Toronto because you, you have a very athletic team. So it makes it makes it fun to watch uh, Toronto Blue Jays baseball. But as I travel around the country and and I'm watching different styles of game, you know, I've, I've seen. Uh, you know the Tigers and how they play. We've we've witnessed the Astros. We've seen Atlanta. Uh, we've we've been to the different stadiums and and how um, the stadiums. It's not just about the the team on the field. It's about the experience around the ballpark. Whether it's the battery or what we're seeing a renaissance in downtown Houston and Detroit. Um, you know Milwaukee is is one of the best places to go and and tailgate before a game. So for Toronto and you know like loving being in in Toronto in that in that beautiful area um i remember as a player you know walking from the stadium uh to the field and and just like seeing how people were always outside and engaged and and the beauty of of the ballpark uh at the Rogers Center is that you can open the roof when it's nice out you can close the roof and keep it quaint um the fan experience i'm looking forward to seeing it i mean from all accounts that I've heard, the, being able to engage with the visiting bullpen, you know, that brings a little bit of, of Philadelphia into Toronto. So you can you can uh, politely let the visiting pitcher know how bad he's going to pitch that day, uh, which is really fun, you know, in that in that type of place. And, and as a byproduct, too, you know, when I think of some of the best the best fan experiences in baseball, it usually becomes a home field advantage for. Uh, a baseball team, for example, the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium, uh, that place is, is almost impossible to go in there and win. We've seen home field advantages for Atlanta. Um, Toronto now has a has a pretty significant home field advantage. I believe they're 12 and four uh, at home. So, I mean, all those improvements for the fans, along with the pace of, of play, um, I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing you know, so many people consume baseball in a way that is different, you know, and it's, it's exciting and it's it's cool to be a part of knowing that the next generation of baseball fans not only can can, it, you know, consume the game via streaming or however they they watch it. But when you go to a ball game, there's so much more than just sitting in your seat. You know, you can you can engage with with other fans and you can engage with players like we've never had before. You talked about the new rules. Now we've got a little bit of runway in terms of them, how they'd be implemented. What have you seen? What have you liked? Is there anything that you haven't liked? Do you think uh, some things will still continue to change in terms of how players and, and managers react to them? What's your appraisal on the new rules thus far? So I, I, I usually like to say I'm, I'm reserving my final opinion 
till the end of the year. You know, we're we're just at the quarter mark of Major League Baseball in the season, so we're we're, we're right around forty games being played. Um, violations are, are already starting to go down. I, I think you know the the bigger bases. We've seen an increase in stolen bases, which is awesome. Uh, I like the non-shift rule. I, I like being able to see a second baseman, you know, range to his left or his right, make a nice play. You know, going back to Roberto Alomar. Um, so I I think those those have been you know big success stories for for baseball. The overall pace of play, you know, cutting it down almost 30 minutes is is really significant. I've been able to come home after a after a well played game and tuck my kids into bed. You know, so it's like I get the I get a human aspect and human benefit of, of being able to watch a major league game that I absolutely love and enjoy doing, and then still be able to come home uh, after a day at the ballpark and, and tuck my kids into bed and, and, and maybe even unwind with the wife. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been pretty cool, especially for me where, you know, my home base is Colorado and uh, Colorado Rockies baseball games are notoriously long. Uh, and this year they're, they're averaging about two, 225, which is one of the shortest in baseball. It's just crazy to think that. Uh, and so I, I do, I, I really do think the rules have made the game better. Um, I still think there are aspects of the rules, you know, how a pitcher can manipulate the timer. Um, that's not in the spirit of the rule. I'm also, I also have some concerns of, of umpires uh, calling the violation too late when a pitcher's in their mechanics and in their windup. Uh, I also know that there's been a slight increase in, in injuries for pitchers, but I think a lot of that has to do with how pitchers are pitching max effort, throwing harder, uh, average velocity of, of pitches now are uh, at an all-time high. And then we're also seeing <clears throat> a lot of guys spin the baseball a lot harder with a lot more effort. Uh, so I think that has to do with it too. But I, I mean, I think there's going to be some improvements along the way on how the violations are being called and then how, you know, the nuance of when you can start the timer, when you can give a player a, a little breather uh, that makes sense. And, and ultimately, you know, last little point on, on the pitch timer, if you think, uh, you know, that this is too avant-garde or it's not what you want, you know, the, the pitch timer has always been in play. It's just never been enforced. The rules have always had a, uh, a governance about throwing pitches every 15 seconds or less. It's always been there. It just hasn't been enforced. And if you do go back in time and, and for example, let's say you took like a World Series game from 93. If you put the pitch timer on any one of those games, you would see that the players in, in 93 and 92, and you can go back to the sixties and seventies and eighties, like they would have, the games would have been played within today's rules with the pitch timer. So there is no, there is no argument against like, well, you know, back in my day that they, they didn't do it this way. It's not true. Um, so it's just nice that we've gotten rid of some of the fat. We have gotten rid of some of the fat. No question. The other you know, change, not certainly in rules, but, a tweak in terms of the game right now is the balanced schedule, which gives a little bit more flexibility in terms of the types of matchups that you would see on uh, Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV. Plus, for the Blue Jays in the AL East, it makes it so the schedule is a little bit uh, uh, less arduous. What do you think 
of the balance schedule and how that might implicate who ends up going to the postseason and what the wild card situation looks like. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's really important. I, I think we're also going to get closer and closer to expansion for Major League Baseball in the next couple of years, and whether that's Toronto or Nashville or Las Vegas or back to Oakland, who knows? Um, but we will see, we will see baseball expand. There's no question about it. And when baseball expands again, you'll see an adjustment to the schedule. I, I thought it was important that teams didn't have to play their own division so many times. I thought there was competitive advantages uh, towards towards certain divisions. For example, like the National League Central and AL Central, they've in recent memory, they have not been as strong as the West or the East. So when you do have uh, American League East or American League West teams constantly having to fight each other, you know, it, it, it lowers good teams' abilities to make it to the postseason uh, where you could get, you know, some easier victories in, in the National League Central or American, uh, American League Central. So I like that it's balanced. But to your point about, you know, you're only playing – your division 13 times. So if you don't play quality division play, there's no real room to make up for it. So if Toronto doesn't play well against the Yankees or Baltimore or Tampa, and you end up falling behind in your division, you can't make it up. And that's, that's where I think, you know, these, these divisional games become so much more important and they, they should, they should carry more water. And, and the, I just I just like that we can, you know, because there was fatigue. There is no question. Uh, there's there's player fatigue when you're playing a team nearly 20 times a season, and and 68 games within your division. Um, I mean that's that is you just get tired of seeing the same teams over and over and over again. Uh, so I, I think this is better. I also think for fans where you get a chance to see um, players from other other leagues, other teams more often. I think that that makes that makes for the the broadness of baseball and the 30 teams and the great players that each team has uh, more accessible to more people. Tampa obviously you know, running away with the AL East or the AL, but when you look at it right now, as of our conversation, all three wild card teams in the AL would be from the AL East. And in fact, you know, of the top five records in the AL, four of them are from the AL East. Can you ever remember a division with that amount of depth in it? Still lots of games to play, uh, but it doesn't really look like many of these teams are going away. As far as the like win-loss record, no, I mean, American League East right now is, is pretty fun watch. I mean, other the American League West is the only team that the the other division that has four teams over 500 um oakland will never get over 500 this season so that's pretty <laughs> safe uh, again this presents why the schedule and the change does what it does because now you have these these organizations are are venturing out and they're playing the national league central the national league west and the national league east and there's there's some games in there that you can win um from that from that division it doesn't surprise me at all that the the east right now is is turned it around just because of baltimore baltimore has been a really good story really really good story uh they've they've waited five years to get to this place and and they're very competitive uh, i think toronto has waited 
many years, and I, and I think they've fallen short of, of what their goal has been. Last year, they, they had a team that was more than capable of, of putting a long run together. And so these, these windows that we you know, describe in baseball as being a competitive window, when you're in a division like the American League East, when you do have young players that are you know, making impact at the major league level, you have to push in. You have to be aggressive. And Toronto's done that. Baltimore's done that. We know that the Yankees have done it. Uh, Tampa has done it in their own way. So it makes it makes for, you know, from April until the end of September, uh, if you're a fan of any sort of team, especially if you're in the American League East, like you can't, you can't not pay attention to every single game. Right, like this this week for Toronto in Toronto with the Yankees and Baltimore coming into town is huge for what it means for the season. So it's it's like we're talking about games in May. A lot of times people don't even pay attention until end of July, August, and September. We're talking May, which is which is awesome. That's great. It is. My group chat is constantly talking about who the probable starters are. Uh, for matchups in May because the AL East games, as you mentioned, mean so much. For the game that you have coming up, uh, for the Jays, it'll be Yusei Kikuchi, as of right now, who has uh, been a real positive story. But the Orioles, as you mentioned, have been a, a real positive story. For Jays fans who haven't paid attention to them as much and were probably surprised at where they are in the standings, as you do your prep, you know, getting ready for them, what sticks out to you uh, about that group that you've learned about the Baltimore yeah. Orioles is that they are fast. Um, they are aggressive. They are young. Uh, they're brash. They play quality defense. There's some players on their team that, uh, you know, you're going to go like, who the heck is this guy? You know, Jorge Mateo has been one of the best stories in major league baseball. The last two seasons, it was somebody that was picked up off waiver wires uh, from the Padres and he's turned into uh, you know, especially with the new rules and, and the value of the stolen base, uh, Mateo's turning into one of the more valued shortstops in Major League Baseball. You have some some young upcoming studs like a Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rushman. Um, Cedric Mullins from you know, two years ago was, a, was another guy that was just a phenomenal story, and he ends up putting up uh, a 30-30 season. So they, they, have, they have youth. They have some veteran leadership. I think they're going to continue to get better. The back end of the bullpen is almost untouchable. So if if Yenner Cano comes into the game uh, against the Blue Jays, it's pretty much over. Uh, Cano hasn't even given up a run yet this year. I think he's given up one extra base hit. So, so and that's in and that's in 20 innings. In 20 innings, he hasn't given up a run, and nobody's been close. He's given up four hits. Yeah, Cano's given up four hits in 20 innings. So let, let that sink in, especially after watching Alec Manoa uh, struggle on the mound the other day. So um, Baltimore's fun. They're, they have good young players. They're going to be a thorn in the side of the American League East for the next four years. Uh, and they're only going to get better because they have big-time prospects that are starting to pop up. So Baltimore's going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem in a hurry. Talk to me a bit about the series uh, that's going on right now. Uh, many Blue Jays fans... Uh, and players were somewhat confused that Aaron Judge seemed to be peeking into the dugout uh, mid at bat. Pitchcom makes this conversation interesting in terms of what he could 
or couldn't be looking at. Obviously, people remember the Yankees were caught for stealing signs electronically in 2015 and 2016. In your time, do you remember a scenario where someone was constantly peeking over and looking at their dugout while awaiting a pitch? Uh, I mean, there's different reasons for it. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear from Aaron Judge first. I mean, we saw the other day Tim Anderson was in uh, was in Chicago and, and people were trying to lip read and they, they misdid it. You know, they, he was talking about the pitch timer, how he didn't like the pitch timer. And the insinuation was that he didn't like Chicago and that created a narrative that was false. Uh, I think in, in this case with Aaron Judge, I've seen there's been many players in Major League Baseball that have looked back they're looking for location of, of a catcher. Um, so I, for all I know, I mean, for all I know, Aaron Judge is either looking at the catcher to see where he's setting up, or he could be looking at uh, the pitch timer, or the Yankees could be doing something. But I feel I'm, I'm always very cautious of throwing around any allegations based on, you know, one image that I've seen from him and, uh, you know, I didn't see, was there any other Yankees doing the same thing over the course of the night? So if, if I saw multiple players, then I'd probably raise the alarm a little bit more. But since it felt like it was an isolated incident with one player, uh, and, you know, I haven't seen him doing it in other scenarios around Major League Baseball, uh, I don't I don't know how to categorize this one yet. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's just, I don't have enough information other than an allegation and, and in a video. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't start throwing around, um, I can't start throwing around some, some questions about, you know, integrity or, or stealing uh, when I, do, I don't have enough evidence to prove that, that it is what it is. Well, something he had in common with his Yankee teammates is they didn't have any trouble being all over Alec Manoa. So far this year, he's already given up eight home runs. It's half as much as last year against the Yankees career high. Seven walks, 540 ERA in his you know, last nine starts, which is worst among uh, the Blue Jays starters, and he is theoretically their ace. There's been some talk about his fastball velocity being down, a slider losing some inches and in horizontal movement. Have you seen anything to let you say, well, this is why you know, he's not uh, the guy who was in the Cy Young conversation a year ago? Yeah, being the stuff isn't there. I think mechanically he's not. He's not locked in. And, um, you know, as far as do I think the Yankees were, were picking up on on something that Manoa was doing to give away a pitch? Possibly. I mean, guys will tip pitches all the time. Um, Manoa's first start of the season this year came against the Yankees, and he shut You know, he lasted seven innings, uh, no earned runs, just two hits. So that that was that was Manoa in, in, in Yankee Stadium. Uh, in the middle of April. So um, I, I think with whatever's going on with Manoa, certainly the sliders probably had the biggest impact on him. You know, the, some of the numbers on baseball savant, and you can look around, uh, his slider has one of the worst um, run values. So like there's values for everything you can do in Major League Baseball now. So his slider is is right now arguably the worst pitch in baseball. Um, based on how he's not getting any swing and miss, the contact rate, um, not being able to throw for strikes. You know, the fact that he walked seven yesterday is just, it's continuing to show you that, you know, mechanically he is not 
in a in a place where he's able to repeat his delivery. You know, all all, all the numbers across the board for uh, Manoa are just they're they're really kind of surprising. Um, you know, that I love watching this guy pitch. I love the intensity of of how he pitches. But you know, he has nearly a seven walk rate. You know, seven seven walks per nine, and uh, almost the same strikeouts per nine, which is way down. Uh, from all of his averages. So I, I think to me, this, this looks like a mechanical flaw. Uh, I wouldn't, I, I would have to completely dissect Manoa's start to start to start to get exactly and pinpoint it, but I'm sure, I'm sure uh, that's what the Blue Jays have done. And and to be honest, you know, most players know exactly what they're doing wrong. Um, they just have a bad habit and it's hard to break. And then when you have a bad habit, it becomes a mental issue because you you know that you're doing something wrong and you start thinking about it and once you start thinking about it it creates a, a bit of a snowball effect i wouldn't be surprised if he misses a start and just kind of gets uh, a little bit of a refresher when you look at this team as a whole and they've been consistently positively and negatively streaky they win five and they lose three then they take two of three they're on pace to have 90 plus wins the overall despite manoa the Starting pitching ERA has been pretty good, but as you look at them, is there any clear areas where they could add? Whether it's you know earlier in the year or at the deadline, I mean, you can always add. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> there's always going to be. You could always add to a bench or bullpen or um, there you know defensively finding finding ways to get matchups. There's there's always ways to add. I, I would point. Internally, you know, one of my concerns has been Bo Bichette at shortstop defensively. Uh, that that's just been my, I've been saying that since last year, um, just based on you know the amount of errors that that he commits, throwing errors, and and sometimes it's not even uh, an error per se. It's you know not making a clean throw to to complete a double play or or something like that. So defensive efficiency for Toronto. If they, when they were you know, really good back in 2015, they had one of the best defenses in baseball. And so the ERA is a byproduct of defense. So as, as much as you, know, you think of, of adding a new player, if you add a new player that, you know, that pitches well, uh, you still need somebody behind them to catch the baseball. So I, I, would, I would say for Toronto to get to that next level, it's going to be defensively. If they can become one of the best defensive units in baseball, um, I would say the sky's the limit for Toronto. I actually picked Toronto to get to the World Series this year. So if they do have, if they do tighten up their defense, and right now, uh, based on one of my favorite advanced metrics in defense, they're league average defensively. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays are number one. So that gives you an idea of, of why Tampa is what they are. Um, so. They they have some room for improvement, and I and I would say it's it's infield defense. If it gets tightened up, then I would feel really strongly about Toronto and their chances. You mentioned Tampa, and for the life of me, I don't understand how they always continue to find ways to do it. Don't have a lot of resources, but figure out a way to get everything they can out of every player and acquisition uh, in the margins, and yet. I still wonder if that team long-term is going to be able to stay there. When you look at Tampa on and off the field, uh, what's your appraisal of how the franchise is continuing uh, to be competitive? 
Well, I've been I've been bullish on Tampa since 2018. I, I witnessed it firsthand. I saw it. I think there's a couple of variables that make Tampa unique. Um, I don't think that they lack in resources. I just think that they don't want to use them. Uh, they they certainly have the ability to spend more. They can do more if they want to, but they also know that they don't have to. And so the the other variables there is that they play in a controlled environment. You know, the Tampa and Trop is essentially a pitching lap. So they, you know, however you pitch, if you pitch at noon or if you pitch at nine o'clock at night, uh, nothing changes. There is no wind. There is no changes in humidity. There's there's nothing. So it's exactly the same. And so Tampa has basically used their home field, especially for pitchers, to, to say, these are your two best pitches. This is how you, this is the one that gets you the most swing and miss. This is the one that you throw the most for strikes. Use those pitches, but also don't forget to use these ones too. And so there's a there's a real pointed effort from their pitching staff knowing exactly what they're capable of doing. And then they just pitch to their strengths. And then defensively, like I said, they're number one in defensive efficiency. And then for an organization, they've they've keyed in on players that hit pitches in the strike zone. So that's what they do. They've looked for uh, specific hitters that command the strike zone. They don't chase. When they do make contact in the strike zone, they hit it hard. So it's a it's a pretty simple formula that they've been able to follow. You know, they they don't always have the shiniest players on the face of the planet, but when you think about what they're doing and how they put it together, it makes a ton of sense. You know, Yandy Diaz is one. If if you were to really dig into Yandy Diaz, you'd see exactly what I'm talking about. He was he has had some. He's somebody that's for his hitting profile in his entire career, he does not chase and he hits things within the strike zone hard. And this year he's an MVP candidate. So um, they're just smart. They're, they're not rocket science, but they're, they're, they're smart. So that's why they are what they are. They, they, they're not going anywhere unless they you know, move from Tropicana Field or if they lose their entire brain trust. Thanks so much to Ryan for Spending the time, and if you're at the ballpark on Friday, make sure you give the Apple crew some love. Doing a great job covering our sport, and as you know, every other game can be found right here on Sportsnet. And Ryan can be found on Twitter, at SpillyGoat19 is the handle. Give him a follow, because as you heard, he knows what he's talking about. Not always the case for me, which is why I lean on great guests like Ryan. We've got some more great guests coming up for you and some podcasts about not the traditional big four sports that we always talk about. So stay tuned to this space. Thanks for listening.